Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this day. I pray, Lord, that as we've sung even just briefly there, we know the blood never loses its power. And Father, we pray that you will show your power and your glory and your majesty in a mighty powerful way this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I just want to welcome those who are with us uh, this morning in person or uh, there online. If you're on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, be sure to like, to heart, to share all of those different platforms. Uh, welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming also. Uh, we have people who watch those services uh, every week on each one of those platforms. Uh, and so you'll see our, our Sunday morning attendance includes not only the in-person attendance, but also the online attendance. Uh, we seek to engage with those individuals and those aren't one second views, those are longer views that individuals are having there. So thank you for joining uh, with us on those. And we know people have watched and even come to church uh, as a result of that. And so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, if you are at home, be sure to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, go to the info tab there. You can download today's worship bulletin. If you need one of these in person, you can get it at the doors or in the windowsill uh, at any time. Uh, just raise your hand or deacon, uh, one of our uh, ushers will come around and give you one. Uh, you can go and get one in the windowsills if you need. If you need one of the children's worship bulletins, they're in the windowsill to my right. You can also download those on HighlandBaptist.com there uh, under the info tab, as well as you can download this week's prayer list. So be sure to get those things downloaded. Uh, use those. It'll help you to see uh, what all is going on in the upcoming days. Uh, we've got a lot of upcoming activities uh, coming up, a lot of things that are coming up with the youth also. So we just want to say welcome to you this morning. If you're one of our first-time guests, we want to say a special welcome uh, to you, if you would. Uh, there's a bag that's here at the front. If you would just take one of those bags when you leave this morning. There's also a card in there or maybe a card in front of the pew, in front of you in the pew there. Uh, you can either scan the QR code on that card or you can fill that out and place it in the offering plate when you leave. That way we can be able to uh, contact you to let you know how glad we are to have you with us this morning. So Brother Mike, if you will. Good morning all. I told Brother Jim when that song was playing that uh, we could start every Sunday with that song as far as I'm concerned. Pat confirmed that's an old Mosey Lister song and that just gets in your blood and gets your blood pumping, getting you ready for a service that he's about to lead us into. So take your hymnals and why don't you stand and join the choir as we sing 405, Have Faith in God.
Amen. As we come to our missionary moment, uh, you'll notice on the screen we have Matthew and Tracy Mueller who are serving uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, they are serving in North Phoenix there and have planted a church there. Uh, the church hosts a number of community-based uh, events, uh, and so uh, they have been able to reach out to some people. In fact, our story in the, in the bulletin there tells you uh, that there was uh, a man who his sister-in-law had invited him uh, to go to Valley Life Church of North Phoenix. Uh, previously, he had only attended on a church on Easter and Christmas, uh, but when he heard the gospel there for the first time, uh, he understood it uh, and eventually repented of his sins and placed his faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And those kind of stories are multiplied many times over across our uh, state, across our nation, uh, and our convention. And so uh, we want to uplift all of our uh, missionaries in prayer this morning, especially Matthew and Tracy Mueller. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us this morning. And especially as we come before you, Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you. And Lord, we know that if we hold on to sin in our hearts, uh, you will not hear our prayers. And so we just come before you, Lord, with open hearts, and we cast everything before you, everything we know about. So reveal those things to us that we, where we may have sinned or, or where we may have not done some things that you've commanded us to do, which your word tells us is sin also. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would uh, forgive us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, because we want to pray for these missionaries, Lord, uh, for Matthew and Tracy Mueller in Arizona, and for many others around our nation and around the world. We just ask your blessings upon them, Lord. Open up the opportunities there for them to share the gospel. Uh, bring people uh, who, who need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior across their paths and across the paths of many of their church members uh, so that they may share even more. Uh, of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you will watch over them, keep them safe and protect them. But we pray also, God, that you'll provide for their every need. And use us, Lord, in whatever way that you will, first and foremost, to at least pray uh, for those missionaries. And then also to remember that as we're giving every Sunday, we're giving towards uh, supporting those missionaries on the field. So help us, Lord, to continue to give and to give generously out of our hearts to you. And so we just give you the glory and the honor for all you're doing, for the wonderful praise report we've heard uh, here from our missionaries in Arizona. And we just ask God your special blessings on them as they are gathering to worship also this morning. So bless us as we come to worship you. I pray that whatever cares or distractions or burdens we may have brought with us, Lord, help us to cast those things aside, to lay those things at the altar, and Lord, for you to speak truly to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Uh, let me just remind you one last thing also. Uh, in the pews in front of you, you should see an offering envelope. If not, there are some in the holder on the wall at the back there uh, or at the sides. Be sure to pick up one of those if you need to give your offering. The offering plates are down here at the front. You can also do your online giving, and if you're at home, uh, you can do that. Go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side. Click that Give Online tab. Easy platform there to, to do your online giving. We have many people who use that uh, and who participate in giving through that way. So thank you for doing that, uh, but we encourage you to, to continue to do that. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our next hymn. <clears throat> Take your hymnals and join us now as we sing 416, My Faith Looks Up to Thee.
As we sing this next hymn, which is 502, a reminder that the children's church will gather over here by the piano during this song. We're singing, Open My Eyes That I May See. Please join us and stand. 502. Miss Pat?
And it is out of mercy that we are even here this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through verse 52. We're looking at the life of Jesus. And I've entitled this message this morning, Then Jesus Came. And you're going to see how that goes along with this passage as we even begin with this first verse here in verse 46. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. And we encourage you to do that at home uh, also if you can. Verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. And they came to, and they came to Jericho, and as He was leaving Jericho with His disciples and a great crowd... Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much this morning for what we are going to see here in your word, that everything changed for many of us when Jesus came. When Jesus came and spoke to our hearts, when Jesus touched our lives and we responded uh, to, the, to the call to salvation... Uh, we heard Christ when he maybe called us into Christian service in some way. Uh, Father, there may be those who are here this morning who they need to hear that call upon their lives. And I pray this morning that Jesus will come and speak to their hearts and that they will hear the words of Jesus, uh, that, that, they, uh, that he came and he loved them, he lived a perfect sinless life, died for them on the cross, and was buried in the tomb. Father, I pray that they would respond and answer that call upon their lives. Bless us in this passage this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. 
As we come to this part of the story of Jesus, we remember that he is on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus' journeys as he's on the way to Jerusalem, he's leaving the area up in Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is here. The Dead Sea is here. Uh, Jericho is just over to the, to the east of the Dead Sea area, the north part of the Dead Sea. And, and so he is coming down from Galilee to go to Jericho and then from Jericho to go up uh, the mountains there to Jerusalem. Uh, the Jericho in the day of our Lord is a far cry from the Jericho of our day. Uh, it's just a reflection. It's literally just a pale picture of what you would have found in the days of Jesus. Today it's just a little place and about all you can find there are just a few stores where you can buy some trinkets and some other things there. It's kind of run down and dilapidated. Uh, it's that kind of a place. But when Jesus... Uh, went to Jericho in the New Testament days, it was a hustling, bustling city. It was a resort center uh, because as Jericho was there close to the Dead Sea, many times people like to go over there to, to get away from their vacations, to get away from uh, the work of things. In fact, you'll find that Herod, uh, as we're going to see here, had built a, another place there. Uh, and so it become a kind of uh, a winter resort there. It was a city of villas and baths, a city of about 100,000 people. Now, Herod had built a theater there. Uh, he had also built an amphitheater there. And so the name Jericho means fragrance. It was a city that was filled with a beautiful fragrance and the, the fragrance of rose gardens and the fragrance of, of palm trees. And it was there that the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, Jesus himself came walking through that city of Jericho. And when he walked through that city, he enhanced the fragrance of that city. We said Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem and there's a large crowd who is with him of people. Uh, people are getting ready to make that pilgrimage, uh, that annual journey to the city of Jerusalem uh, for the Passover. And they're crowding around Jesus as he's on his way to Jerusalem. As he's on his way to Jerusalem, he knows that he's never going to return to Jericho again. Because Jesus knows that when he goes to Jerusalem, he's going for the last time to die on a cross. And so here are these people who are gathered around him. They're listening to every word. They're watching his every deed. And the Bible tells us here in verse 46 that there was a man uh, right on the outside of the gate as you go into the city of Jericho, and his name was Bartimaeus. Now, it's one of the most familiar stories to us uh, in the Bible. Uh, next to Nicodemus is probably one of those that we remember uh, fairly well, the story of, Nic of Bartimaeus. And so I want to tell you his story because in the story of Bartimaeus, Emmaus here, we have the account of a man who needs mercy and he comes to Jesus and when Jesus comes, he meets Jesus and he finds the answer to all of his needs. Now, you may be here this morning, you may be watching online and you have needs in your life. Your greatest need that you have is mercy. You need the mercy of the Lord. And so I want us to learn from this story of Bartimaeus this morning. The first thing I want to point out to you here is found in verse 46. I want you to see the condition of the man. The condition of the man. And all of these points are going to relate to us because we also need to see our own condition. So again, verse 46 says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd... Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Uh, and so we're told that uh, Jesus came to Jericho and then he goes out of Jericho uh, here in Mark's gospel. Now, there were two Jerichos in Jesus' day. There's the ancient city, if you remember from the Old Testament, uh, when they marched around the walls and the walls came tumbling down. There's the old city. Uh, that was still left there too and, and partly in its uh, dilapidated state. And then there was this new Herodian location uh, that was kind of a winter uh, getaway there for Herod and, and all of his entourage. Uh, it was about a mile away from uh, where the old city uh, was and where he had built this lavish uh, winter palace. So Matthew, when you read Matthew's gospel, he mentions that there were two blind men, whereas Mark and Luke only mention one. 
Uh, Mark alone tells us that this man's name is Bartimaeus. None of the rest of them tell us what his name was. Uh, this doesn't mean that any of the accounts here uh, are, are inaccurate, but rather that Mark and Luke chose to focus only on the more vocal of the active and, and active of the two men. So Matthew and Mark, they say that the miracle occurred as Jesus was leaving Jericho. Uh, if you look at Luke's, it says, as he drew near to Jericho in Luke 18 and verse 35. Uh, there was this man who was sitting at the gate by the roadside there, and he was begging. Now, that may be because Matthew and Mark use the new Jericho as their point of reference where Luke is talking about the old Jericho or vice versa. But when you put the gospel writers together, we know that Jesus was in Jericho because we know that he, uh, there was a little man named Zacchaeus. We, we always sing about Zacchaeus. A wee little Zacchaeus, he was up in a tree and he looked down uh, to see uh, Jesus coming. Zacchaeus was in Jericho and Jesus saved him there. And, and so now on the way out of the city of Jericho, uh, there's this blind man. Now notice the condition of this man. We're told two facts about him in verse 46. We're told that he was blind and that he was begging. Now every indication of this verse that we read here is that Bartimaeus was born blind. It says he is Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now, sometimes you'll see it, uh, the word bar, uh, and, and before a person in front of a Jewish name. That means son of. And so Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. There are those who believe that Bartimaeus was born the blind son of a blind man. So here he comes uh, from the darkness of his mother's womb uh, into the darkness of his world. It's common even today in the Middle East even to see those uh, who are blind out on the streets uh, even begging for, for help. And this means, of course, this man he couldn't see. And that's, a, that's one of the simple truths of the matter that we see here. Uh, that means that this man had been born blind. Think about this. He never saw a sunrise and he never saw a sunset. He never saw the stars. He never saw the trees or, or flowers or, or a flowing stream. He, he never looked into the face of his loved ones. He didn't actually physically know from his eyes what his mom or his dad may look like. You've seen those who are blind sometimes, they will use their hands to touch someone's face to, to feel the features of their face. And that's kind of the way they're able to see or to at least to imagine what this person looks like. But he had never seen his mom or his dad or, or any brothers or sisters he may have had. His life is confined to a narrow world of darkness. Because think about that. In those days, that would have been a very dangerous world for him. They didn't have seeing eye dogs to, to help them around if you were blind. Uh, this man, he could come up right up to the, to the very edge of a cliff or a precipice there, and he wouldn't even know it. And he could be in danger of falling over. He could trip over anything, trip over any person. And so it was a dangerous place and time for him, a dangerous condition for a person to be blind. What this man needs is sight. And of course we understand that there are more kinds of blindness than mere physical blindness. There's physical blindness because of, of diseases with the, with the optic nerve or the retina or macular degeneration and all those kind of things that bring about physical blindness. But the Bible makes it clear that there's also spiritual blindness. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, in, the, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So there's a spiritual darkness. There is also a, a mental darkness. I mean, think about it. Have you ever wondered why people think the way they do and draw the conclusions that they do when it's obvious that the truth of the matter and the truth of Scripture is very clear on the subject. They seem to get stuck way out in left field. It's because there are people who are suffering from mental darkness. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible talks about darkness of the heart, which is a moral darkness. You ever wondered why it is that people can draw moral conclusions that they do and live the way that they do and act the way that they do? It's because there are multitudes of people around us who are living in a moral darkness. So here's a man who was blind and he can't see. He's in a dangerous condition. 
Understand this, there are people today outside of Christ who are blind spiritually. They can't see. And they're living in a very dangerous condition. They can't see the very path of destruction that they're walking in their life, the life of sin that they're living. They can't see the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God that is going to come on, on them for their unforgiven sin. They can't even see the wonderful opportunity and privilege that they have to receive the free gift of grace to know Jesus and for their life to be changed. They're in a dangerous condition. And you may be in that dangerous condition here this morning. The Bible even goes further and talks about an everlasting darkness. You remember when Jesus is describing hell and what it's going to be like, one of the descriptions that he gave is that it's a place of outer darkness. Now think about that. To be blind mentally, to be blind morally, to be blind spiritually, to die without the light of the world, and to go into eternity, into everlasting darkness. That's the danger of a person dying in their spiritual blindness without Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning and you need that spiritual sight. You, here's this blind man and that's the condition he's in. He sits by the roadside. But notice what happened. Just as he had done every day, he got up every morning and sat by the roadside. But then Jesus came. Notice the second thing that's obviously told here. We said uh, he's also begging. So he's not only blind. He's also begging, and that's not uncommon either. Uh, the, the man's a beggar. That, that, that's what his blindness had brought to him. Uh, he doesn't have a job. I mean, he's blind. He can't work. He can't labor. He can't make a living. Every day he comes to the same spot. That's his only occupation, to sit there. That's his only means of, of welfare, to depend upon others, to give him something uh, to make it through the day, to have food on the table, to have a shelter over his head. And that's what the Bible says has happened to every one of us. The Bible says that our first father, Adam, sold us out. And we were born into this world, into a spiritual poverty. There was a man who was in poverty, and spiritually we're in poverty. The government ha has what they call a, a poverty level. And I don't know what that level is. It changes from time to time. But you may be very well off. You may have an abundance of all the things that this world has to offer. You may have a lot of money in the bank. But if you don't have Jesus Christ, then you are in spiritual poverty. Notice this blind beggar. People are walking by him all day long, every day. They're walking by him, going by him. And, and you could just almost imagine on that morning as he wakes up, it, probably in a barn where a beggar had to live, it, he shakes the straw off his, his well-worn garments. He, he stumbles out of the barn. He probably begs for milk from somebody. He, he gets a crust of bread maybe uh, from somebody else who's passing by. He makes his way as somebody helps him uh, to get there to his normal place, to his accustomed place to sit there at the gate at Jericho. Wondering, when am I going to get my next meal? That's the condition of this man. But then Jesus came. Notice verse 47, and we see his cry for mercy. Verse 47 says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now notice that, that first section there. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. That's so true to the picture because we know that sometimes our, our, our senses are enhanced in one area when we lose them in another area. It's true that, that those who have blindness, many times their, their sense of hearing uh, becomes elevated. They have a, a keen sense of hearing. That's what this man has. He hears all the familiar sounds of the beginning of activities in the morning. He hears people walking by. He hears the donkeys and the, the animals as they come by. He hears the camels uh, as they're, they're wheezing and blowing. He hears the women as they come by with their pitchers as they're going to go get water. He hears people laughing. Uh, he, he hears uh, all kinds of noises of, of just that morning bustle as people are on their way to their marketplace, on their way to their jobs, and then 
all of a sudden he begins to hear a larger noise than he's heard on the recent days. And he can tell that something big is coming along. And all of a sudden, he hears little boys running like little boys do uh, in front of a parade. And, and now a big crowd is coming by. And you can almost see him in his blindness as he's reaching out to, to grab somebody by the garment and, and wanting to know, what's going on today? What's all this noise uh, that I hear? Uh, what's coming down today? And somebody says to him, haven't you heard? Jesus of Nazareth is getting ready to pass this way. Now, what we understand from this man by his actions is that he had heard of Jesus of Nazareth. He knew that name. He had heard what Jesus had done. This Jesus of Nazareth had met crippled people and caused them to walk. He had cleansed lepers. Uh, he had even raised dead people from the dead. Uh, this Jesus of Nazareth ha had given uh, two blind men their sight. Uh, in Jerusalem before, and this man begins to think, maybe there's some hope for me. And so this man begins to cry out, have mercy. He's crying, he's crying for mercy. Now, he may have started that morning crying out for money as he was begging, but now he's crying out for mercy. The voice of, of misery now becomes the voice crying out, for mercy. So notice the cry of mercy here and how insistently he makes it. Uh, notice what it says there again in verse 47. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says he began to cry out and say. Uh, this is not just a one-time calling out of Jesus. It's a continual action verb. He continues to call out. Son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's continuing to call out to Jesus. Now, think about that. Isn't that interesting what he says? Because son of David was a messianic title. The Messiah had to be the son of David. That's why when you read Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 1, it's so important because it gives the genealogical proof and the evidence that Jesus was born as a son of David. So this man, Bartimaeus, he understands messianic terminology. It may have been that he understood and had heard it at the temple or, or somewhere there as someone had been reading the Word of God. Maybe he heard Isaiah 49, or 29 verse 18. Uh, the Bible says about the Messiah there in Isaiah 29, 18, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. And so he recognizes who this is, and he insistently cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's what he needed, mercy. Now, mercy in the Bible is contrasted many times with grace. We're saved by grace, but we're also saved by mercy. Grace means that we get what we don't deserve. Grace is the unmerited favor of God, but mercy, by contrast, means that we don't get what we do deserve. And so he's calling out for mercy. He's not asking for what he deserves. He's asking for what he doesn't deserve. He knows he doesn't deserve to have his sight given to him. He doesn't deserve it. And so he's asking for what he doesn't deserve. You know, in, in the society and the world we live in today, so many demand their rights. I want to tell you, I don't want my rights. If I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell forever. I don't want my rights. I want mercy. That's what all of us ought to want. And the good news is, is that he is calling out to someone who has mercy to give. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 that God is rich in mercy. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So we're saved not because we did anything, not because we deserve it, but we're saved by the sheer grace of God. We're saved not because we earn it. We're saved because God in his mercy doesn't give us what we should deserve. He gives us mercy.
So this man cries insistently, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then look what happens in verse 48. So remember, there's a large crowd, and it says, they, many, rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So in other words, the people who were around were, were getting upset. Uh, here comes Jesus, and here's this blind man, and he's starting to disrupt the party, uh, the celebration of Jesus coming through. And you can hear them now. They're saying to him, be quiet, you blind man. Don't you speak. Just be quiet. Don't say any more. Jesus doesn't have time for you. And that kind of is the way it is today. You get excited for the Lord. You get interested in the Lord, the things of the Lord. You get ready to call upon the Lord to ask God to help you. And there will be people who will try to stop you. And Satan will try to do it. I guarantee you that. You'll get interested in the Lord and Jesus and, and, and getting your life changed and getting your spiritual eyes opened up. And the devil's going to do everything he can to keep you from, from coming to Jesus, to keep you from crying out for mercy and to seal your doom. Know this, that this old world will do the same thing. You get interested in the Lord and this world will do everything it can to blind you by its pleasures. So the world of religion even will try to do it too. The world of religion will try to get you covered up in the rules and the, and the rituals and the regulations. Anything to keep you from Jesus Christ who has mercy to give. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I a help or am I a hindrance to people who want to get to Jesus? Am I a help or am I a hindrance? The people who want to get to Jesus. So these people are trying to hinder this man. They're trying to keep him from getting to Jesus. But notice it didn't do any good. What does verse 48 said uh, that after they said, be quiet, stop talking, stop saying. It says he cried out even the more. He cried out louder uh, than he did before. He ump amps up the level. Uh, the volume is turned up even. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They're not going to shut this man up. If you're interested in the Lord and spiritual things, don't let anything stop you from getting to Jesus. Don't let anybody hinder you. Don't let anything keep you from coming to the Lord. Maybe you say in your heart, well, he won't forgive me. He will. You keep on crying for mercy. You may say, well, well I'm blind spiritually, but know this, he will give you the sight. You keep on crying out. You may think that, well, others will try to hinder me. That's true, but you keep on crying out. You may think, well, I'm just not worthy to come to Jesus. You keep on crying out for mercy. Here's this man. He knows what he needs, and he's asking the Lord for it. We see the condition of the man. We see the cry for mercy. Then I want you to see verse 49 and following, the command of the master. The command of the master. Verse 49 says, And Jesus stopped. The crowd's moving. The crowd is bustling. There's been a great movement through the city. And Jesus hears this man crying out for mercy. And the Bible says, And Jesus stopped. That is, he stood still. You could paraphrase that and say, Jesus stopped dead in his tracks. There were a lot of sounds going on. There was a lot of commotion around, a lot of noise being made. But through all of that noise, he hears this cry for mercy. There's a man who needs to meet Jesus. He's a man who needs some help from Jesus. And when this man cries out to Jesus, Jesus stands still. I want to tell you this morning, if you cry out for mercy from Jesus, he will hear you. And all of heaven stops because Jesus hears your heart. He hears your cry. Let me tell you, that cry stops deity in its track in the cry for mercy. So Jesus stood still. And then notice what happens here. He said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. 
And so could you just imagine uh, what this did to this blind man? I mean, in those days, a blind person was considered an outcast. Nobody wanted to be around them. Uh, they were just a bother. They were cumbered. Uh, uh, they cumbered up the situation. Yet here's a man, and Jesus wants him. Jesus calls for him. Jesus asks for him. As I thought about that passage there, I thought about, you remember when we were young and we were at school, some of you still are, and you play sports, you maybe have a, a somebody says, well, we're going to have two, two captains, and you got two teams uh, that are going to be picked, you're going to pick people from the, the group who are there. And, and so as you're there, you've got two captains, the, maybe the two best players on the team, they start choosing sides, and they start calling out different ones' names, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. You remember how you felt just standing there? And can you feel that right now? You're, you're standing there and sweat pops out on your brow because you don't want to be that last person. You want to be one of the first or at least one of those in the middle. You don't want to be that last person that the captain calls out for. But the, it's getting smaller and it's getting smaller. And then in a little while the guys say, hey, you, you come over to my side. You remember how, how relieved you were? You run over and, and you get on their side. I've been chosen. I've been picked. Somebody wants me. You ever stood there and nobody wanted you? you feel, remember how low you felt? They even maybe got in a fuss. No, you take him. No, you take him. No, you take her. You don't feel wanted. But here's this man... And out of all the crowd of people that's there, he's been crying out for mercy. And here's a man who's been chosen by Jesus. Jesus says, go call him. Bring him over here. If you were the only blind sinner who ever lived, if you were the only lost person who ever needed Jesus Christ, out of all the people in the world, Jesus Christ would have died for you on that cross that day. Because understand this, he wants you. He calls you. So he called. And, and they say to the blind man there in the, in the end, the, in the end of verse 49, take heart, get up, he's calling you. You can almost imagine that man, he's been called, he's been chosen by Jesus. You can almost see him as he gets up and he, he's stumbling forward and they're having to help him to get over to Jesus because he's blind, he can't see the way to walk. He doesn't know where Jesus exactly is in the crowd, so he's having to depend on others. And verse 50 says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. So he throws away his outer garment. He got rid of anything that would encumber him, maybe cause him to trip or to stumble. You think about the prodigal son uh, when he was in the, in the hog pen. Uh, he, he said, I'm going to arise and go to my father. He got up and left that pig pen, but he didn't come back to the father with anything from that pig pen in his hands. He comes leaving all of that behind. That's the way Bartimaeus is here. He leaves everything behind and comes to Jesus. Some of you this morning, you need to come to Jesus. But there are things that you're holding on to. There are things that you're holding on to that are keeping you from coming to Jesus. Here's this man, and Jesus calls him, and he throws away whatever would hinder him, and he comes to Jesus, verse 51. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now think about it. Here, here's, here's Bartimaeus. He could have said anything. He could have said, Jesus, I've been begging over there by the, by, the, by the gate there of the city of Jericho all this time for days upon days, months upon months, years upon years. Could you bless me with some money? He could have asked Jesus for money. He could have asked Jesus for some new clothes uh, to, to get rid of those old rags that he had. He could have said, I need a good job. I'm, I'm tired of begging. But no, he says in verse 51, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He knew what he needed, and he asked for it. And that's what some of us here this morning need. Maybe some of you who are watching online. What you think you need 
may not be what you really need. What you really need is not physical sight. You need spiritual sight. You need to see and to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And that happens to be one of the specialties of Jesus. The Bible says that the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. He specializes in that. So he says to this man in verse 52, notice what he says. Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So Jesus not only called this man, he cures this man. He says, your faith has saved you. Faith is the hand that reaches up to the grace of God. Faith is also the hand that reaches out for the mercy of God. The Bible says that the Lord is abundant in mercy. He, you call on him and he will come and he will give you sight. It says immediately he recovered his sight. He, he could see for the first time in his life. And you know what the first thing was that he saw? The face of Jesus. Let me tell you this, one of these days, if you give your heart and your life to Jesus, one of these days, you're going to wake up in glory and you're going to see Jesus face to face. So he followed him in the way. And notice, this man could have done anything after he received his sight. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to go. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He's got his sight physically back. But notice what he does. He follows Jesus in the way. You can almost hear him now. See that man right there. That's Jesus. I was blind, but now I can see. It's what we sing about in Amazing Grace. And I'm sure this man, he never got over uh, being tired of telling that story. Jesus was passing by. Jesus came. And that's a man along a roadside who needed mercy, and he got what he needed when he met Jesus. He could have said, oh, the crowds are too big. I'll wait until the crowd's smaller. Or he could have said, I just don't feel like it this morning. I, I, I don't feel like getting up and going today. Or he could have said, I'm afraid somebody's going to laugh at me. Here's what we need to understand this morning. Understand your condition. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you will spend an eternity forever in darkness, away from the Lord, in a literal place called hell. Every one of us here this morning, even as a believer, we still are not perfect and won't be perfect until we get to heaven. We all come and need to repent of our sin. So understand our condition. And then we need to cry out for mercy. If you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you need to cry out for mercy. Mercy means we don't get what we do deserve. So cry out for His grace. Grace means that we get what we don't deserve. And then obey his command. Come to Jesus. He is calling you this morning to come. And then go your way. You have a choice. Think about it. This was his first and his last opportunity. Because Jesus was never coming this way again. And when the opportunity came, when Jesus passed by, he took the opportunity. And he got what he needed. Let me ask you this morning, how many times has Jesus passed you by? How many times has Jesus passed you by? Do you remember that day maybe when you heard a song and something happened to you down in your heart and you kind of shoot up a little bit and you knew you needed the Lord? Do you remember that day maybe when you heard someone who was preaching the Word of God or maybe you were reading the Word of God and something out of the clear blue, it shook your soul? You remember that time when somebody, maybe your mom or your dad or a friend, who said something to you about the Lord and you knew deep down in your soul that you needed to do something about it, but you let the opportunity pass you by. You let Jesus pass you by. Let me tell you, Jesus is passing your way again this morning. You're not here by accident. But understand this, he may never pass your way again. This may be 
your last opportunity. You remember the words of that old invitational hymn? Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Don't let him pass you by this morning. Call out for his mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what a lesson to see from the life of Bartimaeus, especially for those who are here this morning who've never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that if there's someone who's here, someone who's watching online, Lord, that they would call out to him this morning and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your mercy. I cry out for your mercy and I cry out for your grace and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to come into my life and to save me and to help me to live for you all the days of my life. I believe Jesus died in my place, that he lived that perfect sinless life, died on the cross, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their hearts and their own words and they sincerely meant that, help them to know that your word says that when we believe in our heart and we, we call out with our lips, Jesus says, Lord, the Bible says we will be saved. And so, Father, I pray this morning that there'll be those who come to publicly profess that faith in Christ. But there are others of us here, Lord, who we are believers, but maybe sin has entered into our life and we need your mercy also. We need your forgiveness. We need your grace. And so we call out to you, Lord, to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to set us on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Help us to live in the truth of your word each and every day, to go and to follow you in the way like Bartimaeus did and to be telling others, Lord, to be so excited that we never get over the mercy that we received because Jesus came our way and we didn't let him pass by. Father, thank you for this word and may your will be done in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 320, as the Lord lays on your heart, will you come this morning? Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us.
Brother Matt, I have an announcement. Well, good morning, church. Two weeks from now, we have our second Share Sunday. So I want to encourage you, if you weren't able to go with this last time, uh, you know, consider prayerfully to go with this again. Um, next week at uh, 5, we're going to just spend some time in prayer before, uh, before uh, a week ahead and just kind of talk about it of what we'll do so just consider that and be thinking about it prayerfully also if you have a child who is uh, going to a central kid camp or you're interested in your child going to central kid camp um, let me know because on uh, deposits are due by the 15th and so um, what we have turned in so far you know by the 14th um, i need to make some changes so that we don't get charged for extra spots and so we can always add spots but again, if, if you're interested and you want your child to go to Central Kid Camp, you can come talk to me and we can uh, make sure we have that spot reserved for you. And so deposits are $75. And as we always say, you know, don't let money be a reason why your kid can't go to camp. There are scholarships available. There are those who have come to me and said they will sponsor a kid. And so please um, let me know something before uh, Tuesday or, you know, as early as, uh, you know, you know, Wednesday morning so that we can make sure we adjust those spots accordingly. Thank you. Uh, the only uh, announcement I'm aware of is there is a deacon's meeting today at 4 p.m. Um, we've got several folks who have been in the hospital this week and are out and some folks that are home sick. We want to remember them in our prayers. Any other announcements anyone's aware of? We're close. Thank you, Brian. Okay, join me in a word of prayer, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we can all be here at this moment and this time and uh, study your word and hear it in a clear and strong way. Lord, we just pray that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you'd have us to know and how you'd have us to live our lives. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.